The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, striving, as always, to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. If you happen to have tuned in today, consider it a message from your future self saying, listen to this program because we need to fix some stuff because I don't care who you are. I bet if you're listening, you don't feel like you've got enough money put away for your retirement, uh, given your current age income and the way you would like to live after you turn 60 years old. And George is nodding his head off, but I can't help it that you chose a career in public radio. But I knew that going in. Pay, pay attention, George, and maybe we can help you fix that today because my guest today is one of the nation's top experts in retirement plan investing. In fact, he founded uh, a company that many of you will heard of, will have heard of called Quest IRA. He is the president. He is also a licensed attorney. He holds all kinds of designations, a CISP, which is a designation I didn't even know existed. It's a certified IRA services professional. He loves IRAs. He loves helping people grow their IRAs and other retirement plans by investing in alternative assets. And he is here today with us in the studio, Mr. Quincy Long. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you are here. It's rare that I get a national expert who's sitting here at the station with me. <laughs> but uh, you are in town to do a gig tomorrow night for the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. And that is uh, an open meeting. Uh, so anybody who wants to come and, and hear more and, and see examples, because the hard thing about radio so we can sit here and talk all day long about how great IRAs are and deals that one can do and all that kind of stuff. But what's really nice is when you can see pictures of the mobile home you did a deal on and pictures of the house that you bought a note on and things exactly. like that. So um, CincinnatiRia.com is where folks would go to download a free guest pass or RSVP for the meeting. And that is uh, uh, starting tomorrow night at 530 free dinner. Six o'clock, there's a workshop on how to find the value of rental properties, how to discern how much to pay for rental properties. 
And then at 7.30, Quincy will be talking about how to uh, retire rich, thin, and sexy, I think, is the name of your talk. That might be over-promising. I'm not not sure if... I don't think so. I'm my own case study on that. I see. I see. So today, since we're talking to folks from all over the United States, many of whom can't attend the Cincinnati Rio meeting tomorrow night, um, I do want to give some contact information so that... At least for the next hour or so, folks who are who are get, get curious about something we're saying can call and ask you questions. The sure. phone number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. That, of course, is toll-free, 877-772-9658. I don't even know why we say that anymore. Does anyone pay tolls for calls anymore? Seriously, it's like saying, um, fax me something, right? It's like, it's not, it's not so long since that's been the case, and yet... Okay, so it's an 877 number, 877-772-9658. Also, you can send an email, just go to, uh, just send it to askvina at gmail.com. So, Quincy, I know we've got limited time. We were talking over in the green room about how hard it is to decide which of the many, many, many things that one could discuss about real estate investing in self-directed retirement plans to to touch on. But uh, we're going to do the best we can and just start with... What do you want people out there to know that they probably don't know? Like, what are the biggest misconceptions? Oh, I think that's a pretty easy and obvious one. The most uh, common misconception about self-directed IRAs, first of all, they don't even understand what the term self-directed IRAs means because a lot of companies say, oh, you've got a self-directed IRA with fidelity not to pick on them. but And they mean by that you can buy any old stock bond, mutual fund, or annuity. But that's not what a truly self-directed IRA means. With true self-direction, what it means is your only restriction is what the IRS restricts as far as investments, and that includes that you can buy real estate, promissory notes, sometimes secured by real estate, sometimes not, and even uh, private placements such as I just recently uh, had a partnership that had a shopping center that we built and sold that closed this week. So there's all kinds of alternative investments that your standard advisors won't tell you about, not because they're illegal, but because that's not what their specialty is. And it does take a niche operation like uh, Quest IRA to handle the uh, administrative duties surrounding owning real estate in IRA or notes or whatever. So anything, our listeners are obviously, obviously primarily folks who are in or interested in various real estate strategies right and anything that they are in love with already they can probably do in some Most form likely. in and yeah. I, so so tax liens yep. defaulted notes absolutely the, uh, you know the more the more vanilla you know rental properties lease options things right. like that are all doable in one's ira and then you know the i guess the, the that begs the question why do it in my ira if it's all my money anyway I mean, I can do a deal and I can make a, make it $10,000 and it's all my money, whether it's in the IRA or not in the IRA, why bother doing the IRA? Well, of course, the answer to that is tax deferral or sometimes if it's in a Roth IRA or some other type of account that you can draw tax-free from, it's tax elimination. And uh, so if you make, if you're in the 35% bracket, for example, Vina, and you make $10,000, you really only get to keep $6,500. With an IRA, if it's in the context of an IRA, you get to keep the whole $10,000 and let it grow and grow and grow. And even if it's a 
traditional IRA where you pay taxes on the distribution, it doesn't it grows so much faster that you have a bigger pot of money to retire on. So that's the whole thing about IRAs. It's about tax elimination during the time that it's building and sometimes depending on whether it's a qualified distribution even when you take it out. Do you find that you have a hard time uh not convincing people that they that they should have a self-directed IRA and that they should be investing in it, but actually getting them to take action sooner rather than later on that? Well, Vina, I don't ever try to sell anything. I mean, what we do is we offer a service, and self-directed IRAs in the way that we do them are kind of like this. They're like, if you get it, you really get it, and you understand it, and you want it really bad. And if you don't get it, it's really hard to convince people to do something that they don't want to do. Really, self-directed IRAs are primarily for entrepreneurial types that are investors or whatever and have a knowledge base. Or sometimes they're used by people who are being guided by an entrepreneur. That is hard to say on the radio. (laughs) Uh, That sometimes they're guided by people, but... Mostly, this is the entrepreneur that wants to get into this kind of thing and not just your, uh, you know, person who has no idea how to invest. Mm -hmm. We need to take a quick break. And I want, again, to invite listeners to please, 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 please call with whatever questions or things that have been nagging at you about self-directed IRAs, HSAs, CISAs, 401ks, what kind of plans are available to you? If somebody told you something and you think it might be incorrect, please use today to call and ask those questions. Uh, typically, I don't, I won't answer an IRA question if it's very technical because there, there are some complications here, but we have the expert here in the studio with Quincy Long, 877-772-9658 or send it via email if you're shy. The email is askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vena Jones-Cox, and uh, talking today to Quincy Long, the president of Quest IRA and uh, we're talking about really whatever you want to talk about, but um, more specifically, like how do you how do you take what you know or are learning about real estate investing and apply it in a tax free or tax deferred way to your IRA so that you have a lot, a lot, a lot of money saved up, so that when you are ready to retire, you have a lot of hopefully tax free income coming to you, and you don't have to worry about stuff like do I have enough. Social Security, because I, I get my Social Security statement every couple of years, and I have not paid a lot into the system because of the nature of my business. And I think when I re- if I retire at 65, I'm going to get $981 a month. That doesn't sound like a lot to live on, does it? That's like my food and restaurant budget <laughs> for the month. I, I wish mine was that low. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the, the entrepreneurs and small business people have to sort of take care of themselves in this regard and um, doing what you already know how to do or learning how to do in an IRA uh, is a great way to do that. Now, Quincy, you you had mentioned that one of the things that people seem to have a misconception about is they, they get the they get the 
the terminology mixed up because when they say like, oh, I did a deal in my IRA versus my IRA did a deal, they they literally are mixing up who did the deal. Yes, that gets uh, a lot of confusion on that. I'll get the statement. You mean I can, or the question, you mean I can take money out of my IRA and buy a house and put the money back in the IRA? And I go, no, that's not at all what's happening. Just like your IRA can buy a share of stock which might produce a dividend and later be sold at a, a higher or lower price, your your IRA can actually buy a house which might produce rental income which might be sold at a higher or lower house. It's just a different kind of investment. But as I said, it takes a niche operation to handle the administrative burdens of uh, owning real estate in your IRA. Hmm. Okay, so... <sighs> I always find it easiest to explain to people that you really, really, really have to consider, you really have to think of your IRA as being like just a, a different person. It is. It is a different <laughs> legal person from you. And and that that different person kind of does his own things. With the, your help. With your help because he doesn't have hands and feet and uh, mouth and so he's got to have somebody to act on his behalf. Yeah, we actually look at him as Mr. Ira. And you think Mr. Ira looks a lot like you, and you think Mr. Ira is you, but he's a separate legal person from you. And admittedly, Mr. Ira is going to die one day and leave you all of his money, but until he does, you are a fiduciary or a caretaker for Mr. Ira's funds, and you have to do everything in your power to uh, benefit Mr. Ira and not you or other disqualified persons with your investments. Mm -hmm. Now, talk for a minute about this idea of disqualified persons, because... I don't know. There seems to be there seems to be stages that people go through in learning about IRAs. When they first hear, "Oh my gosh, are you telling me that I could do some of these deals that I'm doing that are making me thirty percent returns, only doing tax free in my Roth IRA?" Yes. They get super excited, but they start thinking bad thoughts, yeah, like, like, "Well, let me take one of my deals that is already making thirty percent yeah, and go sell it to that, my right. IRA." Yeah. So basically, the idea of a disqualified person is basically. There's a list statutorily defined of people that are deemed to be too close to Mr. Ira to make it an arm's length transaction. So that would include, as an example, you yourself. You think, wait a minute, that's my money. No, it's Mr. Ira's money, and you're a fiduciary or caretaker for Mr. Ira. And then people that are deemed to be close to you are also too close. For example, your spouse, your parents, your grandparents, your kids your grandkids, their spouses, any corporation, partnership, trust, or estate that's owned 50% or more by any of those persons, all are disqualified persons to your IRA, meaning they can't do business with your IRA, nor can they benefit either directly or indirectly from transactions done with your IRA. And really bad things happen if you do it anyway. I mean, you say you say you can't. Fact is, well, you could, your custodian or administrator might not know that That's true. George is your son, and you might do business, but then if you get audited, what happens? Well, basically, if you do a prohibited transaction, it blows up the IRA as of January 1st of the year in which you did it, and that means all the money that you thought you were making tax-free in the IRA is now taxable, and you have penalties and all kinds of bad, nasty stuff happen to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we're starting to get emails in at askvina at gmail.com, which is the proper address if you're listening to us live here on uh, Wednesday night. If you're listening to us on the podcast, 
you can't send us questions. Well, I mean, you can, but it's very hard for Quincy to answer them weeks or months later. Actually, you could always forward them to askquincy at questira.com. Is that real? Like you yeah. actually have an Ask Quincy? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, so askmean at gmail.com. We just got a question from William in Golden, Colorado, who says, I think that the big, biggest debate going on right now in the IRA world has to be about whether checkbook LLCs are legal or not. Oh, good question. Can you please give your opinion on this issue? And I think we need to start by just quickly explaining what a checkbook LLC is. Absolutely. So... People want to be able to control their money that is belongs to their IRA and do deals quickly and stuff like that. So there was an idea that was put out there that what you could do is have an IRA owned by your LLC, I mean, sorry, an LLC owned by your IRA and then appoint yourself as the manager of the LLC and therefore you quote unquote have the checkbook. And so, you know, my opinion is well known throughout the country. Uh, I don't like that setup for various reasons. But let me just say that I understand the excitement of the idea of having a checkbook control in that way. And also, I'll confess that the IRS has pretty much given up on the initial setup. That is to say, they've lost some cases to say that when you first set it up, if it's a brand new LLC, and the IRA contributes money to it, it's not a disqualified person until you uh, fund it. So therefore, there is no problem with that, and they also have given up on the return of funds from that LLC to the IRA. So they've given up on those two issues, so everybody says, oh, it's safe, you can do whatever you want. Unfortunately, that's not true, because it's what happens when you are in that position of manager. One of the prohibited transactions is your inability to provide services to your IRA, that would include indirectly providing services to your IRA by providing services to an LLC owned by your IRA. And the cases keep routinely coming down against this idea because people are making the mistakes, not because they're trying to make mistakes, but they just don't understand the prohibited transaction rules we live and breathe these rules and explain them every day and educate people on them and still it's hard to catch every potential prohibited transaction and so it's the practical aspect that i think kills the idea for me and i just can't get comfortable with it uh, i will however fund a deal where somebody else not you is the manager so you can have effective control but the IRA owner being the manager of the LLC owned by the IRA is just not a good idea in my estimation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the thing is, there's a lot of people uh, kind of... Promoting sit- it? Well, uh, right, right now there's a lot of listeners kind of, you know, squirming around in their chairs because they already have one because someone... I mean, there's, there's an enormous... You should go on the internet... There's an enormous number of companies saying, open your account with us and we'll set you up with a checkbook LLC. So let's say I already have one and I've already messed it up. I'm already the manager of it. What do I do now? Well, you know, there is no way to cure a prohibited transaction technically. So um, what we usually tell folks to do is if you're going to do that and you feel like you're, uh, you know, not doing it right, you know, there's a couple things you can do. One, you can fire yourself as the manager and hire somebody else. 
That's one thing you can do. If you really have messed it up, the best thing to do is just shut it down, close, sell the assets, shut it down, return everything to the IRA, and hope you don't get audited. There's no forgiveness. You can't report yourself to the IRA, IRS and say, please forgive me. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, you know, prayer works a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you undo things. Basically, you undo things as much as you can. And remember, the IRS is a kinder, gentler IRS these days. Mm. And they don't have to take all the sanctions that they can take. So sometimes if you undo it and you say, oh, mea culpa, uh, I guess I shouldn't use Latin on air, but, you know, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, you know, you say, my fault, geez, I didn't understand, woe is me. They may not sanction you as bad if they even catch you, but it's the guys that are trying to donate their services to their IRA and basically work for their IRA to not pay taxes on something they would normally pay taxes on that they have a real problem with. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Quincy Long, who's also the main speaker at tomorrow night's Cincinnati RIA meeting. If you'd like to get yourself to that and meet him in person and see some real-life examples of uh, great, uh, great ways to get into real estate deals in your IRA, even with small balances. Oh, yes. Even with small balances. Yep. Uh, let uh, Go to CincinnatiRIA.com. If you have questions for Quincy right now, uh, you can either call them in at 877-772-9658, or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. <laughs> George, you're going to get good at this someday if you just do it for a few just more weeks. Just a little weeks. more practice. <laughs> Listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Quincy Long from Quest IRA. We're talking about uh, anything you want to talk about, about self-directed plans, that's IRAs, 401ks, even health savings accounts, which I recently discovered the virtues of and oh my gosh yes they're the best <laughs> they I, they are i was at the beginning of um this year i was you know at the end of the year you do all your looking back over the last year and what am i gonna what are my goals for the next year gonna be and i decided to do something really strange for me which was make some investments that were not real estate related what i know it's crazy i was like should i should i maybe have some cash around and not just houses you know stocks something something you could sell like in less than 45 days and i started looking at at what had the best returns that wasn't real estate <laughs> and the answer actually was putting cash in a self-directed hra hsa has a better guaranteed return than just about any other investment you can make because of the tax the tax consequence or lack of tax consequences. Well, I know, but it's even better if you invest that uh, HSA in notes or real estate. But what you're referring to, of course, is the fact that when you donate money to donate, I guess that's not the right <laughs> word. But feels like that. But. When you uh, put money in a health savings account, you get a tax deduction for putting the money in, regardless of what your income level is. So for high-income individuals, it's even a better benefit. And so... The other thing is when you pull it out for qualified medical expenses, which are very broadly defined, then guess what? You pull it out tax-free. It is the only type of account that you put money in and get a t tax deduction for, and you take it out, and it's tax-free. Bingo. And I couldn't find anything else 
that had a 35% rate of return without me doing anything. I mean, that was like the, the the problem is like you can only you can only quote invest like what this is what fifty three hundred and fifty dollars or something is the maximum well, contribution this year. It's higher than that for family, but anyway, thirty three fifty I believe actually for uh, single coverage and then sixty seven fifty for family coverage. Yeah, so that's something everybody really because even if you uh, yes you should then use that money to invest in a little note or something like that exactly. to even make it bigger, but even if you don't do that this year, it guaranteed it was the highest straight return you got on. on I know. I just uh, it got paid off on a note that I invest in with my HSA. So not only did I get the tax deduction for putting it in, but I bought the note at a $2,500 discount <laughs> and a yield of 12.2925%. And then when he paid it off early, I got um, my uh, discount on the note collected and actually made a really fine return on the HSA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not, and with not a whole bunch of money to start with. That's one of the, I think one of the key things that slows people down from actually doing something about this is it seems overwhelming because they, they look at the contributions and, and what, what's the max for a, a, an IRA this year? For under 50, it's age uh, 5,500. And for age 50 or over, it's 6,500. So they look at numbers like that and they say, well, here in my area, the median house price is $150,000. So I would basically have to donate, or I'd have basically have to contribute that much money every year for the rest of my life to get enough money to buy a house. And that's just not the way it works. It's just not true. So there's all kinds of ways you can invest with small amounts. And among the many ways you can do that are to have a, uh, a partnership where the account partners with other money to invest in that property. That's one way. You can even, believe it or not, you can even have a property owned by your IRA with debt on the property, although that has two implications you got to be aware of. One is that the debt has to be non-recourse debt, which simply means the lender agrees that the property is the only security for the loan. And it also has negative tax, tax, tax implications for the IRA. But in that case, if you could find a seller finance deal or maybe take over a property subject to, you can actually own debt finance property in your IRA and do just fine, even with a small amount. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk to Maddie, who's calling on line one from Georgia. Maddie, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Maddie? Hello? Hi, Maddie. You're on the air. What can we do for you? Yes. Uh, it's interesting that you're having this show today because I'm in the midst of trying to get some funds from a 401k and a self-directed IRA to put in a move over to, uh, you know, a company that will allow me to uh, invest in real estate. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, but um, I'm coming across... Uh, various information and then uh, someone that's in our local RIA is using the solo 401k uh, instead of the IRA and I guess I wanted your guest opinion on that I know the solo 401k you could actually uh, put a lot more money in it than you can with the regular mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know just uh, contributions to an IRA and then I just want your guest's opinion on that. True, and and that that's a great question, Maddie. And it's it's funny because we were literally uh, we had a, a breakfast meeting with our local Rio group in Quincy this morning, and this topic came up. 
And I thought the answer was going to be super obvious. I thought the answer was going to be gut a 401k if you possibly can. But that wasn't quite 100% his take on it. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn that question over to him. What, for, what, what do you think? Well, first of all, I love the uh, flexibility of an individual 401k. But there's a threshold question that you've got to answer, Maddie. And it, that is our... I think we lost Maddie. It's okay. but she can still hear us. You can hear I think she's just listening in, yeah. Well, okay. So anyway, there's the threshold question is, do you qualify for one? In order to qualify to have an individual 401k, you have to be have self-employment type of income. So if you're just, for example, a real estate investor owning rental property, well, that's not the active type of income because in order for have any employer plan you got to have an employer and that employer can be yourself you can be self-employed so that's a threshold question then it's true that you can put a lot more money into an individual 401k if you qualify uh, on the 401k side you can put up to eighteen thousand dollars and that can be the first eighteen thousand dollars you make if you're under age 50 and if you're an old guy like me, you can put 24000 in. So I do that on a regular basis. In addition, you can have profit sharing that can be the total contribution for this year can be uh, up to $60,000 total, including the 401k element and the profit sharing element. But of course, you have to make a sizable amount of money to get that level of contribution. So there are certainly benefits, a lot of benefits to the individual 401k, but there's an Achilles heel in 401k and in, in, uh, individual 401ks, and that's the bookkeeping. There's potentially multiple buckets of money, and you have to be able to take care of uh, the bookkeeping, and it's fairly complex, and I don't think uh, a lot of people understand what kind of books they need to keep for it. So. I'm a big supporter of the idea for those who qualify for it and for those who can handle the bookkeeping, but be wary of what you need to do. And my understanding is, because my first thought when I heard, oh my gosh, there's this, you got to keep track of four different accounts and the where the money came from and where it went, was that, that's all right, I'll get a bookkeeper. There aren't a lot of bookkeepers out there who understand how to do this, and it is not cheap to hire them to do it. Well, I understand, but... Uh, you know, Vina, when uh, I'm one of three brothers, and when my mother wanted to know what really went on when we were misbehaving, she'd come and ask me because she she knew I would tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, whether it was good for me or not. And that's kind of the way I am in life. You know, I I love self-directed IRAs. I'm passionate about self-directed IRAs as well as individual 401ks and certainly HSAs and CSAs. But there are issues in I'm all for playing with this area, but you got to know the rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, question just came in at askvina at gmail.com from Josh, uh, uh, Josh from Nashville. He says, thank you for being willing to share your knowledge. What do you guys consider the fastest way to grow a self-directed IRA with, say, $5,000 in it? Uh, that's an easy answer, the way you know how to do it. The whole thing with the self-directed IRA is it's self-directed, which means you get to pick the investments you want, but also means you have to pick the investments you want. The best use of a self-directed IRA is to invest in what you know best. Now, for a lot of people, that might be notes. It might be options. It might be uh, real estate itself. There's a thousand different ways to invest in real estate, and Vena Jones-Cox knows all of them. (laughs) So 
the do what you know how to do and uh anytime i've lost money in investing it's been because i went outside of the area that i knew and which is primarily for me is real estate admittedly but uh do what you know how to do invest in what you know how to do best and that's the best and most safest route even with small amounts what if what you know how to do is wholesale Ooh, Bina, you didn't <laughs> want to go there, did you? I did go there. I did go there. Uh, okay, well, wholesaling. Let's find. Let's first of all let's define what wholesaling actually is. Contract assignments. Let's talk, let's let's start there because I know I already obviously know what your opinion on this is, but I think everybody else needs to hear it because I think what a lot of people just heard when you said do what you know how to do and Josh's question about well I have five thousand dollars. Well, duh. I go put down $5,000 earnest money on a house, and then I assign the contract. That's that's what a lot of people just heard, and that is not what you meant them to hear. No, it's not really what I meant them to hear. So what I my opinion is that you should not do wholesaling in your IRA because it's a dirty word, not because it's in a bad way to make investments. But the problem is that basically wholesaling is services, and if you report wholesaling income, correctly on your tax return it goes on schedule c as self-employment income and that's means you're providing services and you're one of the prohibited transactions we talked about earlier is you cannot directly or indirectly provide services to your ira in other words the irs wants to be paid taxes on your labor and they don't want you to put all that in your ira they want you to make investments in your ira you can make fantastic investments in your ira but you cannot provide services to your IRA, and it's a del- it's a delicate balance, and so that's one of the problems. Without going in depth on a short radio program <laughs> of what all the problems are, that's the that's it in a nutshell. Well, and what's your what your your expert objection, if you will, is the idea of the contract assignment because most of the most of the profit there came from your labor it did exactly. not it did not come from you invested in anything right if josh were to now josh is in nashville which is one of the hottest markets in the united states so uh, his house prices are a little bit different than ours here are here but he could probably find a cheap junker house for 50 or 60,000 dollars okay he's got 5 if he found one for 50 he could resell it for 60 and he's only got 5 how would he do that in his IRA without quote wholesaling? Well, I mean, there's there's a not that was would be a wonderful opportunity if you got that, Josh. I encourage you to be able to figure out how to do that. One of the ways you could do it was just to stay in the deal and bring on a money partner. Uh, so that sounds more like an investment to me, Vina, than just flipping or wholesaling the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could joint venture with another person, and that's one way to do it. Another way you could do it, we mentioned earlier, is you could go ahead and put the $5,000 down and get somebody to loan the IRA, not you, but the IRA money to do the deal. No personal guarantees, just a non-recourse loan. And it would have some tax implications for the IRA, but at least you wouldn't be providing your services. You'd be making an investment. As we discussed this morning, Vina. My whole thing about in using your self-directed IRAs is it has to be an investment. It can't be a donation of services. So you have to structure your investments and think about things in terms of how can I make this be an investment as opposed to a donation of services. Mm-hmm. 
So if you find a cheap, cheap, cheap deal, Josh, and it's one that you think, wow, this would be great for my IRA, but I don't know if I want to personally get involved. Well, I can't personally if it's an IRA, but I don't know if I want to get involved in the whole rehab and everything. You could bring in a partner who could fund all that and give you some of that money based on the fact that you brought the deal to the table. I mean, you could also use long-term options, and I'm not talking about short-term options here and not stock options, but real estate options would be another way to participate in the deal without uh, owning the house or anything like that. All right. Very good. Uh, We're going to take one last quick break. Uh, We're not going to make another call for questions because we actually have three or four lined up here uh, at askvina at gmail.com, but we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. The questions have been like coming in fast and furious awesome. for the last 10 minutes or so. And um, I just... Vina, we're just going to have to do this again. Yeah, or, or just, you know, we'll just sit here and hold the studio hostage until everybody's done asking questions. Probably not a real good thing to say on the air. <laughs> I'm not, I don't mean that. I was joking. Um, so uh, again, I want to encourage you, if you are in the area... Come to the Cincinnati REA meeting tomorrow night. Quincy's going to be there. He'll talk for an hour and a half. And then if his appearance last night in Columbus is any uh, indication, he will then sit and drink wine and answer more questions for two more hours after the meeting is over. Uh, We have a question here from Johnetta who says, would doing notes as far as contributing to an IRA be the same as wholesaling a no-no considering that it is a service? Now, I did ask Johnetta for some clarification here. Uh, which was uh, whether she meant flipping notes, which is uh, another fairly common strategy, or whether she meant like buy an existing performing or non-performing note or creating exactly. a note. Exactly. Some, There's some ambiguity in the question. This investing in notes in general is certainly not going to be a problem. But you can see how, as you, as you said, if you flip a note, that's the same thing as flipping a contract. Uh, that could be problematic if they ever actually looked at that in close detail. Also, I think one of the mistakes that I see people doing in notes is trying to rehab the note, that is trying to get a non-performing note to be re-performing. If you're going to do that, there's no problem with uh, investing in non-performing notes and making them performing, but you don't want to provide the services of uh, making the note re-performing. You want to hire a servicer or an attorney to do that. But other than that, investing in notes should not be a problem. Mm-hmm. And and Janetta and everyone else, to be clear, Quincy's not saying you can't sell assets out of your IRA. Oh, of course. If you if you bought a non-performing note and your servicer got it all re-performing and a year and a half later you looked at it and you went, No problem. Hmm, I'd like to sell this and get some cash. You could do that. Absolutely. Uh, but her her question is, she just responded, her question is about flipping notes and Johnetta it's it's about investing in your IRA right not flipping flipping is a dirty word because that sounds like services in your IRA it's a dirty word I'm sorry in your IRA <laughs> it's a dirty word that's that's my world I apologize so again Johnetta if you if you go back and listen to the podcast uh, when it's posted around Friday uh, you will hear we this earlier discussion we had about how how to have your IRA not flip the note in the sense that you put it under contract and then just sold the contract, but put possibly partner with the person that was going to buy it so that you stayed in the deal, which, come on, 
in the long run, you're probably going to make more money anyway. And honestly, you're I, what we, Quincy and I were talking about this this morning, and I was looking at a case that happened to me a few years back. I said, if I'd have stayed in the deal, I would have made more money. And I think my buyer would have been happier because he wouldn't have had to put so much cash up front because we would have been partnering instead of him giving me money and me just walking away from the deal. So a question here from Kevin, who is from... Kevin does not say where he is from. Uh, Oh, he is from Greensboro. uh, That's in North Carolina, right? Uh, He says... I I was talking to an investor the other day who told me that he actually had multiple self-directed accounts of the same type. In fact, he had multiple IRAs. I was too embarrassed to ask him if there was some good reason for for that to happen. Is there some explanation for why one person would have multiple self-directed IRAs? Certainly. That's not a problem at all. It has to do with separating liability for different types of assets. And having different and or having different classes of assets in different types of IRAs, you might have one IRA per piece of real estate, for example, if you're doing long-term hold. I'm talking about here, because uh, you want to isolate any potential liability for that. Also, you might have a different one for holding notes and a different one for holding options. It's all about your paranoia, and you know, paranoia sometimes is a good thing. And uh, so I suspect it has to do more with that than anything else. All right. Um, and and by the way, uh, Kevin, next time just ask, because I find most real estate investors want to talk about what they do. They it's really not, do. They really do. <laughs> it's not like they're going to be like, that's none of your business. If they brought it up, they wanted you to ask. Uh, this one is from uh, Troy in Atlanta. He says, how should I evaluate the decision of whether or not to convert a tax-deferred account to a tax-free account and pay the associated taxes. And boy, this is one I hear all the time with people who have oh, IRA yeah. or 401ks from old jobs, and now they want to do a Roth IRA, and they're wondering if they should just bite the bullet and pay the taxes. And of course, the benefit of the Roth IRA is when it's a qualified distribution, it's completely tax-free, whereas in a traditional IRA, when you pull it out, mostly it's going to be taxable as you pull it out. So that is an hour, hour and a half long discussion. Let me cut it down to the nub, which is that the way I look at converting to a tra- from a traditional to a Roth or a 401k to a Roth is what do I have to do that will make up that money in the shortest possible time? For example, if I'm in the 40% bracket and I convert $100,000, I've had to pay $40,000. And my question immediately is what can I do in that newly minted Roth IRA to make up that $40,000 as quickly as possible because everything I make in that account after my recovery period, as I call it, is going to be tax-free forever for me and for the life of whoever I leave the account to. And that can be many, many, many years of tax-free accumulation. So I'm always questioning, what's the investment? What justifies me moving that money in and paying those taxes now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to do your own math on that, Troy. But also remember, you don't have to convert the whole thing. Right. You can just you can just convert a little piece of it, go do some deals, and then if you want to convert more later, you can do that. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So again, CincinnatiRia.com uh, will get you information on how to come see Quincy tomorrow night as well as a free guest pass. 
If you really want the full-on Quincy treatment, on August the 12th and 13th, Quest IRA and Cincinnati RIA are co-sponsoring a two-day event uh, called the No Excuses Retirement Wealth Summit. You can also check that out at CincinnatiRIA.com. Highly recommend that. Uh, even if you have to drive or get a plane ticket to get here. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.